Well, again, I say to you, good morning. Thank you for letting me be here in your midst as um, Pastor Jason is away. I am delighted to be here in the middle of a series about community. Jason started this series last week, Find Your People. And he talked about how from the very beginning, God made us for community. And then Jason went on to talk about how authentic community is nurtured in small groups. I think there was also something about a sword last week, right? You know, it gives me a little bit of comfort that he's talking about swords. So we're going to do an art project. Like we, you got the whole balance of what it is to like come to church. So welcome. All right, so today we're going to keep exploring what it is to live in community. We're going to turn to the book of Acts, and Acts is the book that really kind of tells the story of the first Christians in life after Jesus's death and resurrection. And so this, this group of, of Christians, there are, um, sometimes we call them apostles or sometimes we call them disciples, but this first group who's figuring out what it means to be the church, Acts tells their story. And we're going to turn to the second chapter of the book. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. But most of all, God, we pray that you would take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. So can we just have like a moment of real talk together? I want you to actually participate. How many of you, you can raise your hand like big or small, whatever, you can do it. Do it somehow, like with your bodies, okay? How many of you consider yourself to be followers of Jesus, or at least trying to be a follower of Jesus, okay? For those of you whose hands are raised, keep them up. How many of you own property and community? How many of you share your salaries with your neighbors or with the people who are alongside of you in these seats? Your kids don't count. <laughs> I see you. Yeah, my hands are well behind my back, right? Like I am not sharing my 401k with you. You all are lovely humans and it's mine. Okay, right? So here's the thing. We turn to Acts and it's this great story. I mean, it's powerful, right? Like there's this sense of awe. Like I want to live in a sense of awe with God. Yeah, are you, are you with me? I mean, maybe some of you are interested in like boring religion. That's cool. That's fine. I want to have a sense of awe when I talk about community or the church or about my relationship with God. But I'm going to be honest. I don't want to share my possessions and belongings the way that these early apostles are doing. How do we in today's church live out this life? What does it mean for us to embody the life of the church? Pastor Jason talked last week about it's not just showing up to worship on Sundays, although that's lovely. But being the church is so much more about sharing our lives, sharing our fears and our joy, sharing our sorrow and our triumphs. 
right? It's about showing up and sharing our whole selves with authenticity and kindness and courage. This summer, I had the privilege to take what was for me the trip of a lifetime. My husband and I got to spend two weeks in Juneau, Alaska. My husband, um, when he was in college, there were six guys who lived together, and the last of the guys was getting married, and his wife-to-be is from Juneau. And they had planned this wedding two years ago, and then COVID ruined it, as COVID ruined so many things, right? So we'd been waiting for two years to take this trip, which only made it better, right? Like, it's just all that heightened excitement, and, and our kids stayed home, so we got to just be alone. It was amazing. All right, so we were there for two weeks, and the first week, all of his college friends and their wives um, and partners were there, and we shared a house with some of our dearest friends, which was amazing, and then we got to spend, my husband and I got to spend one week just ourselves. So it was everything we needed it to be, right? Like, it was this huge, inclusive community. We did actually, like, share our possessions and our food, um, although that's not the the point of this story. Um, and then we had this like time to just rest, right? I'm, I'm a Florida native. I barely know what a mountain looks like. And we hiked every day. We ate lots of food and we slept through the night. It was amazing. Okay. So, um, but the best part of the trip, I think, was that Rose, who's the, the bride, um, she had orchestrated with a bunch of her friends and her family's friends, um, guided hikes for us. And no one else like who attended the wedding um, from our like community had been to this part of Alaska before. Some of them had done like a cruise, but they hadn't like hiked in Juneau. Um, so it was new for all of us. And there was this sense of wonder every day, right? I, I had no idea that Alaska, the southeastern part, is a, um, a temperate rainforest, right? Like in my mind, Alaska is snow and that's it. Maybe there's some bald eagles. But we're there in the height of summer, it's July, and so everything is this like lush, green, beautiful environment. And then we've got these Alaskan natives who are, who are taking us on these hikes and teaching us about um, the trees and the plants and all these things, right? So on this one particular hike, um, we have this woman who's, she's a local librarian, which just is delightful to me. And she's like clearly got this deep connection to the land, and she really loves Juneau. Um, she's a transplant herself, but she's been in Juneau for 40 years. Um, and she's like one of the local experts on this particular hike that we're on. It's called the Rainforest Hike. And she stops in the middle of the trail at one point, and she, she kind of gathers us all in. And you can just tell, like, this is a really special moment for her. And I'm, I'm just, my husband was like, Jennifer, you need to chill out. Because I'm like, tell me more. I want to be first in line. I want to learn all the things. Here I am. Okay, so she pulls us all over, and she points to this one particular tree. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just a tree, right? Like, what, what else am I supposed to see? It's, it's another pretty tree. And she goes on to tell us, well, no, this isn't actually just another tree. This is a mother tree, she tells us. And you see how um, in the middle there, you've got like the, the one skinny tree coming out of like all that moss covered stuff. Well, underneath that moss is an old stump. And that old stump is the mother tree. It was an old rooted tree that is the genetic ancestor of a bunch of the trees that were around us in the moment. And when it died, it became the source of new life. And a new tree grew right out from it. You see, um, I lost my spot in my sermon, so you see, you see what you see. Hold on. <laughs> um, so what she explained to us is that um, this, this stump becomes the source of nutrients and grounding and life, right? Out of death comes new life right here in the forest. 
And as it turns out, um, because of Alaska's weather, there is lots of snow. Um, and so most of the trees don't have super deep roots. They're, they're pretty shallow. And most of the trees are all interconnected together. It makes sense, right? Like, I'm tracking. And so when one tree falls, often several trees fall. So there's this sense of, of being connected. And I started, when I got home, I started getting really excited about this idea of the mother tree. And I, I love imagery about um, how God can be a mother for us, right? There's all kinds of um, pieces in the Old Testament that talk about um, God, the mother, God, the mother hen. I love that imagery. And so I started thinking about this mother tree uh, metaphor. And I, um, my husband tells me sometimes I need to chill out. And this is another one of those moments where I needed to chill out, he said. But I got really excited about this metaphor. And I ended up talking about it at work with one of my colleagues. And she said, Jennifer, I've got just the book for you. It's a book called Finding the Mother Tree. And it's written by a woman named Suzanne Simard, who's a forest ecology professor at the University of British Columbia. She's my people. Okay, so Dr. Simard spent uh, decades studying the forests of Canada over in British Columbia, which is a fairly similar climate to Juneau. And Dr. Simard's work uh, details not just the dead trees that give life to new seedlings, but the whole interconnectedness of the forest. Now, she uses the term mother tree in a slightly different way. She uses it to describe the trees that are sort of like a hub for all the trees near them. And these older, rooted, taller trees are the genetic ancestors for many of the trees around them. And if you begin to examine their root systems, you'll find that they are deeply connected to many of the trees and plants and fungi around them. I could talk about this for a long time, but this National Geographic video that we're going to show you, hopefully, if technology is our friend, uh, does a better job of it. So let's watch together. The idea of talking trees has been capturing the human imagination for generations. My bark is worse than my life. Okay, so maybe... Technology has not been my friend today, friends. Um, so uh, go home and Google National Geographic Talking Trees, and you should find that video, and it does a better job than I will do. But the whole idea is that in the forest, if you start to look underneath the ground, all of these trees and fungi and plants, all their roots are, are, are like this. And it's not just that they touch, it's that they talk. There's this whole system in the forest of how the different species can talk to one another. So these big trees, these hub trees, these mother trees, they are taller than, than most of the other trees around them. And they're able, because of their access to the sunlight, they have really good photosynthesis. And so they produce more sugar than they need. And so that sugar travels down their, um, um, what's it called? trunk <laughs> down their trunk and into their roots and it goes out into the soil around them and there's all these fungi that grow and they need all that sugar and so they take the sugar out and they give the trees back something that the trees can't make for themselves and I can't tell you the name of the word and then um, a tree over here in this part of the forest it needs potassium and it doesn't have rich potassium in its soil but this tree over here does and so this tree says hey I'm hungry I need some potassium and the tr this tree says I've got some extra here you go look see there's a picture it's a still picture right and so the trees are able to to talk to one another through their roots they're able to share in common what they need and these hub trees, they're like the, the very center of all of this because their roots connect to like half of the trees around them. If you take one of those out, you lose a ton of this interconnected uh, web, right? But I think this idea that our roots can talk is really powerful. 
So I'd, I'd been starting to think about all of this um, for the sermon this week. And then I was browsing through Instagram because I'm a millennial. Um, and one of the sites I follow is called Enfleshed. And they do a bunch of really um, interesting work around writing liturgies, writing um, the prayers and the things that we talk about in church, right? And she had this week a reflection about Suzanne's work. So I want to read to you um, what she wrote. Mushrooms are the fruiting bodies of fungus. I know you didn't come to church today to talk about fungus, but here you are. You're welcome. Mushrooms are the fruiting bodies of fungus. Their roots form beneath the surface mycelial networks of what Suzanne Simard coined the wood wide web. Isn't that great? (laughs) I love it. Okay, so the wood wide web. Under the ground, they weave trees together, stitching the roots of, of one with another, assisting in moving water and nutrients and warnings between them. Well, that was the thing I forgot to tell you. So um, one tree in the forest can, can be attacked by like, um, like invasive worms or an invasive fungus, right? And they can send out literally a warning signal through their roots to their friends and their community and say like, hey, BT dubs, this is about to happen to you too if you don't take precautions. I have no idea what kind of precautions the trees can take, but apparently it's a thing. Go with it, okay? Okay. Complicating the beginning and end of one species and the next as well as one individual and the community of trees. They reveal the lies of rugged individualism and showcase the power of interdependence. I read such an interesting article recently noting how relatively new it is to think in terms of self, treating our own inner landscape like private property, making it a means of capital. We cultivate strength, intelligence, patience, And we treat them as if these properties belong to us as individuals, justifying our right to take credit for it. It's this sense of possession of personal properties, a privatized self. Meanwhile, beneath the surface of the land, beneath the surface of our own selves, a network of beings, of life, of species weaving us all together. Breath that literally entangles us with the trees. Bacteria that enable our lives. People with whom we co-create kindness, courage, and strength. And here's how she closed it. The veil is so thin, so fragile, if only we are brave enough to lift it. The veil between us and the divine, the veil between ourselves as individuals and the beauty and interconnectedness of community. I want to go back to that scripture reading from Acts. Hear these words again, but this time I want you to close your eyes. And as much as you're able, I want you to try and imagine yourself inside of the story. The believers, you all, devoted themselves, you all devoted yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to the shared meals, and to the prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. 
Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and with simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Can you see it? Can you see how the earliest followers of Jesus acted like their roots were interconnected? They treated one another as as kinfolk. They shared nutrients and water and warning signs and life and fruit and soil. I think the, the power of this imagery of these talking trees is that they paint a picture for us of what life together might look like. Because we don't stop here at the end of our physical bodies. We are interconnected with one another. All of humanity is, but particularly for those of us who are doing this work of following Jesus. Our choices, our words, our money, our prayers, all of it, it intersects and supports and maybe even deteriorates the network of our roots. That's why it matters that we show up for Sunday morning worship. That's why it matters that we read the scriptures together. And that's why it matters that we learn from one another, one another's prayers and experiences. That's why it matters that we tell the truth about our lives and about our faith. But the beauty of it is that we get to show up with all of our warts and fungi and broken branches. God doesn't weave us together as perfect, shiny humans. God weaves us together as we are. For any of you who have wandered through a forest, you have encountered that part of the beauty of it is is because it's wild, because it's not tame, because it's not all the same. The beauty of the forest lies partly in its lack of uniformity, partly in its death and rebirth. And that ought to be the way of the church as well. We don't come together to show off our shiny righteousness. We come together to be with the whole community, a community who will nurture us, who will help to reveal who we are, who we are in connection to each other, and who we are in connection to God. So I told you I like to do something a little, you know, different every time I preach. That's what happens when you call a chaplain in. So this morning, as you came in, most of you got that little piece of paper. If you didn't get one, don't worry, I'll, I'll grab them and I'll come through and make sure you have what you need in just a second. So you got that piece of paper and some markers or maybe you have pens. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do what we're about to do. This is only for you. You don't have to show it to anybody else. If you're sitting near someone and you want a little extra space, just go ahead and scooch down a couple chairs, Okay. This is just for you. So what I want you all to do is to, to make your own wide, your own, um, what was it, wood wide web. I want you to draw your tree map. Um, Chris, will you throw up the next slide for me? Um, so on the right-hand side is my um, very um, lovely drawing. See, it doesn't have to be perfect, okay? Um, so that's my, that's my tree uh, map. 
that's me in the middle. And then I've got some of my tap roots um, down deep. Those are some of my like childhood pastors, some of the people who passed on the faith to me. You can see my mother tree there lists my grandmother and my mother. And then I've got roots coming out the side that um, are reminding me of who I'm in connection with now. What are those, um, what are those root paths that I use on a regular basis? Who are the people who I call and who I am connection with, who, who remind me who I am and who I belong to, both to themselves and to God. On the left-hand side, that's the um, scientist version of the tree map. So if that feels a little more like you with circles and lines, that's cool. There's no right or wrong way. And it might look totally different than all of this. Brandon's going to come up and um, give us a little background music. Thank you. Yes, you like my hand gestures there. <laughs> um, and I, I want you all to, um, to think as you begin to map out your root system. Who are your spiritual mothers? Who are your spiritual siblings? To whom do your roots need to talk or want to talk? And maybe you might find as you begin to think through your own life story, maybe you'll see where there's some, some roots that are not so healthy. Maybe they need attention. Maybe God has for you this morning a reminder that there is a place of deep connection for you that needs tending or that needs healing. Or maybe today what you might find is that there aren't a lot of roots and you need to ask for some help to grow some more roots. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to think, and then I'm going to come back in a few minutes. I'm gonna give you a few more questions to think about. You can keep working, but I'm going to give you a few other things to consider as you make your tree map. Who do you need to tell some of your life story to? Who do you need to hold you accountable? Maybe it's accountability to showing up for a small group or for giving money to God's kingdom work. Maybe it's accountability to telling the truth. Maybe it's accountability for dealing with an addiction. Where are there holes in your network of roots? Where do you need to find a spiritual mother? Or maybe it's where do you need to find the professional help of a therapist or a financial advisor or a grief counselor? What bad fungi are growing in your roots? And then on the flip side, where is their beautiful, diverse life? It's worth celebrating. All right, and one final question from me this morning. If this is a map of your own community of faith, if it's a map of your own life story, and if we are called to be in connection and community with one another, and what's one step that you will take this week to tend to your roots? Maybe it's reconnecting with an old friend who reminds you of God's love. Maybe it's reconciliation or restoration of a broken relationship. Maybe it's asking for help, right? Remember, we talked about those trees who um, don't have what they need, and they send that message of need within their root network. So maybe your work this week is speaking up naming what it is that you need, naming what nutrient or mineral that you're deficient in, 
and asking for help from your community. Or maybe the work for you this week is, maybe you're one of those hub trees that's nice and healthy and has more than enough. So how can you listen? How can you listen for the message of need in your network? Who can you show up for? I want you to put that on your tree map too. You can put the initials, you can put a word that will remind you, you can write it as a sentence, whatever it is. This work of following Jesus, this work of living our lives in community and connection, this work of living our lives, understanding that we're this interconnected web of roots, it is not easy. It's much easier to see ourselves as just an individual and go about our lives, earning money to put into our 401ks and, and trusting that we have enough. But the way of Jesus invites us into something that is deeper and richer and truer and beautiful and wild and unknown. It's okay to acknowledge that it's scary. It's okay to acknowledge that it's hard. But what we find when we are able to live our lives rooted in connection with others is that we are able to grow stronger more beautiful, more true, more like Jesus. And so for us in 2022, it might not be that the church asks us to share our 401ks with, with our other church members, but perhaps what the church invites us into is this way of naming and acknowledging the needs. What is it that you need? And what is it that you have to offer? Because our identity as Christians teaches us that we don't just end here, but that we exist here in the wideness, in the mystery, in the unknown. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God. What a wild thing it is to follow you. What a wild thing it is to acknowledge that we are not just individuals, but that we exist in connection, that we exist in community. And God, we just, we name that it's hard sometimes. It's not always easy to live in community. It's not always easy to be vulnerable and authentic. It's not always easy to put our own stuff aside to tend to the needs of others. So God, we ask for courage this week. We ask that your Holy Spirit would, would guide us and encourage us and grace us with courage. That we can step out of the shell that we build around ourselves. We can open our hearts and our lives to one another. God, we pray that you would continue to reveal to us those webs of roots that connect us. May we delight in connection this week. And may you grow us into people who look and love and live more and more like Jesus. Amen. <laughs>